You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Homo Not So Genius. So there is something called the homogeneous principle that church people came up with years ago, and I'll read you a little bit about this. But basically, homogeneous is the idea that like, kind, gather, okay? Heterogeneous means that it's not the same together, it's different people together. So from my perspective, whoever came up with this, and I'm not going to say his name because it just was kind of a perpetuation of whatever, it's kind of, it's homo not so genius because it turns out to have created all kind of problems that we already had and just perpetuated. So let me read you a quote. This is an article by Aubrey Sequeta. The article says, both in North America and in missions work worldwide, the homogeneous unit principle of church growth has been unquestionably assumed as the most effective way to multiply disciples and plant strategic churches. Churches grow fastest, church growth gurus say, when the gospel is propagated along existing social lines and networks and when people do not have to cross ethnic, cultural, or class barriers to become Christians. The glory of Christ is seen most vividly when outsiders observe the cross-shaped and cross-cultured love and unity that believers from varying backgrounds share with one another. A pragmatic desire for rapidly growing and multiplying churches should not lead us to compromise the unity that Christ has purchased with his blood. Rene Padilla puts it this way, it may be true that, quote, men like to become Christians without crossing racial, linguistic, or class barriers, but that is irrelevant. Membership in the body of Christ is not a question of likes or dislikes, but a question of incorporation into the new humanity under the lordship of Christ. Whether a person likes it or not, the same act that reconciles one to God simultaneously introduces the person into a community where people find their identity in Jesus Christ rather than in their race, culture, social class, or sex are consequently reconciled to one another. So the millisecond I meet Jesus, you're my family if you're no Jesus. Yeah, but we got nothing in common. We got everything in common if we got Jesus in common. Here we are a church in the heart of the city and homeless people can come and you can come from wherever you are and again I invite you to come we need your help but not to come to just sit here and look at each other but to love each other because what did Jesus say by this will all men know that you're my disciples that you have loved one for another now I can teach you that I can try to demonstrate that set an example but I can't force people to love each other but I look around here these people you people love each other Right? And it's not, oh, you know, I'm going to learn to love Mexican people. And I don't know if she's in the room, but I've had a woman share. She ran a business really good at what she did. She put a product out. 
and happened to be a white doctor come in. And I'm not saying this guy's a Christian, just this is the world we live in. Came in and said, is the owner here? He was going to have something done for his wife. And so this little Hispanic lady, no, she's Mexican. She's from Mexico. She came out and said, yes, may I help you? And he looked at her and said, no, I need to see the owner. And she said, well, I'm the owner. And she was dirty and had been working. And he said, well, you can't possibly be the owner. And he walked out. Are you a lunatic? Are you a crazy person? So church, when people are born again, they're born into this family. It's a new family, a forever family. And now we got a shot at reaching the world. Because if you do the homo not so genius thing, then what you say to a group of people is, okay, this is who we are. We are suburban, black, white, whatever it is. We drive Volvos, 2.1 kids, and here's who we are. So go out with those glasses on and find all those people and invite them to our church because that's who we are. And then you're wearing a to hell with everybody else shirt on that doesn't fit in those lenses. Because you look at them and go, well, I can't invite you to my church because you're Mexican or you're black or you're white or you're whatever. It doesn't fit. I meet people and I go, do you know how crazy fun it is to meet anybody? I can meet anybody and say, come to my church. Come to our church. You'll be welcome. And I know just like that, they're going to walk in and be loved on. And it works. And I don't have to make excuses why it's not Jesus. Wow, that's so fun. What a luxury. Let's read some verses. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2, 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The Bible describes in the Old Testament as well, nations coming to worship, in this case in Jerusalem. Isaiah 56, Isaiah 56, verse 6, 56, 6. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. So he's talking about, I'm gonna open this up and it's gonna make some of you people crazy. But you don't have verses for God saying all nations will come and then we're going to have the, the Gentile church over here and the Jewish church over here and the Roman church over here and the North African church. Over. We're going to separate you. It just come. It's a house of prayer for all people. Go to Zechariah. I promise you it's in there. Go to Matthew. Go back left. Two books. Little books. Zechariah 8.20. Thus says the Lord of hosts. 
Peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeves of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So people from all the world trying to get to worship in this, whenever this time is, to worship God. We know he's with you. Is this a place where any and everybody would come and would know they're welcome? Matthew chapter 5. So I'm going to use this as an example, so just follow me. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And then verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. His point is, you know, he's calling them out here. Bless those who curse you so these people that are not like you are your enemies. But then he goes into this, if you love those who love you, so black folk don't all get along, but when a push comes to shove, they'll pick each other. And you put black folk together, that's easier for black folk to love black folk because they got enough in common. Same with white people, same with Mexicans, Hispanics, whoever it is. Koreans, you put them, oh, we feel more comfortable together. But is that the point of it? Anybody can do that. You don't need Jesus for that. I don't need Jesus to try to help me like people I already like. I don't need Jesus to help me hang out with people I want to hang out with. I need Jesus when it all collides and when my flesh and when my past and when my prejudice and whatever I've got going hits the fan and he goes, okay, what are we doing here? Well, those people hate me. Well, what did I tell you to do? Bless them, pray for them. I don't want to do that. Well, then go back with your people and hide out till it's over. Is that what he left us here to do? Work it out, man. Have conversations. Matthew 22 and this, for me, sums kind of the whole thing, how it's supposed to work. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I've always said to you all, my contention is that the world does the second commandment without the first. So we all love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. We don't love ourselves very well because we don't let God love us and we don't love him. We don't get circulation this way internally and then this way. So I barely like or love me. You think, well, no, but you can be selfish. You can be selfish and not love yourself. Not healthy, not God's way. And so I meet you and I don't like you because I really don't like me because I don't know who I am. But you let God love you. Now you have love from God for God. Now you say, well, if God can love me, I can love me. Now I'm in the position to love my neighbor the way I love myself. And so now you look around and go, well, who's my neighbor? I got one rough neighbor. I got a lot of neighbors surrounded by all these people. But one rough neighbor, Hispanic man, lives right there on the other side of my fence. And it kind of felt like war for the first few months. Well, the other day I go out and there's three goats at my gate. <laughs> so this guy's got chickens. They were coming over the fence for a while, but we got dogs, so that didn't work out. And uh, 
so I think he fixed it where his chickens weren't coming over. He had rabbits. Those rabbits are all gone now because they were coming over too and they weren't invited. They might have played with the dogs. Um, so we got all this going on. So there's these goats. So I stopped the other day, wave, doesn't speak much English, hardworking man, family's over there. I said, and he's got another guy with him. I said, did you find your three goats? He didn't understand. So his buddy's trying to figure out what I'm talking about. And I said, there were three goats. I thought they might be yours just seeing if you found your goats. He said, oh, I, I, know I, know, I don't have goats. Something changed that day. He's not the enemy. He's my neighbor. And I think something changed with him. He's trying to see if I was missing some goats. Maybe he cares about me and my goats, and I don't even have any goats, but I got everything else. See, this is not complicated. So you go to lunch with somebody not like you. You say, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Hey, we're family. Let's see if we can get along. So what were you told? Oh, you can't trust white people. That's what I was told. You can't trust any white people. Well, I'm white, so what do you think we should do about that? I don't know. I got to figure that out. Can I trust you? Well, I'm your brother. See, we're all told these things, and maybe it's true in some cases, but you can't have blanket lies and believe them and then say, oh, God can't overcome this. Follow Jesus around through the New Testament. Man, it's everybody, right? What if he had been born somewhere in Jerusalem, the prophecy had not said Bethlehem, or even if it was Bethlehem, and they whisked him away into the palace, he spent his whole time around the Sanhedrin, those idiots. It starts out with animals and shepherds. What happened to us? Prostitutes, tax collectors, all the people. And we got this thing cleaned up in most churches where those people, they wouldn't come in. They go, we don't belong there. Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. What happens? Pentecost, there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So boom, Pentecost kicks in. There's this sound. And if you read down in verse 8, we hear in our own language where we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them speak in our own language, the wonderful works of God. So when the church is born, the Holy Spirit comes, it's everybody. Go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized or put into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. But what did he just say? It's not about being Jew or Greek, slave or free. Opposite ends of the spectrum, one spirit, we're a family, we're one body. So I have this picture of the dismembered Jesus. So it wasn't enough to crucify him. Let's chop him up. And then one church is all thumbs. That's not what he intended. It's the body. Patrick and I have been together for a very long time. And I remember there was a point with Patrick, he's black, I'm white, and the question, I think, what I got from him was, will he ever give me the authority to present Scripture and trust me with that? Because from where he came from, that was not going to happen. 
Of course I trust him. He's a godly, brilliant man. It has nothing to do with what color he is. But culturally, things have happened. And so people wonder. And once he was, you know, he's one of our elders. Once he was given that responsibility and entrusted with that, I think he's like, okay, this may be real. Man, just be careful how you treat people. I used to sell cars, sold mobile homes and cars. And the car deal was these old hot dog sales guys, old guys, some old farmer would roll up. This, this is a real thing. Roll up in an old pickup. The guy would get out in his overalls. Look, he was a fright. And they, you know, even if it was not my turn, they go, oh, you can have him. I'd go out there and the guy ended up buying a, a Cadillac for him and his daughter. He didn't care. It's just how he dressed. He had money and he bought two cars. And then they all looked like idiots. Because they sized him up by what he looked like, not by who he was. Or just treat everybody the same. Just love people. Well, what are they going to do for me? What are they supposed to do for you? Where do we leave off here? How about Galatians chapter 3? I'm going to read you a bunch of these fast and then we'll quit. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So it's just here, it's like Christian surpasses everything. Colossians 3. Go down, I'll just jump into verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. I don't know, there's no way for me to explain to you the tension there probably was between Jews and Gentiles. It was probably easier for Gentiles to join in with Jews and be Christians and be a church. For Jews, they were special. They were chosen. They're like, okay, who are these people? Right? You talk about arrogance and the potential to be able to quote the whole New Testament and say, it's about us. What are you doing here? We don't have to put up with them, these uncircumcised, what are they? They don't know anything. They don't know God. They've never trusted anything in God. And we're supposed to sit here and sing the songs and open the scriptures with these people? So either Jesus made this possible or he didn't. And if he didn't, let's just say it out loud, but it's not true. He did. So let's do it. Colossians 3, 9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So it should be any and everybody that walks in says they're a Christian, we can do this together. You say, well, I'm uncomfortable with that. Then you got to figure out a way to get comfortable. Because it is not out of bounds to have everybody want to worship together. Why would you want to go to a heaven where everybody's going to be together? You can't even come to a church where everybody's together. James chapter 2. And I reread this, and I don't know, I think I missed something here. But James chapter 2, verse 1, it gives an example here. He says, my brethren, so he's talking to Christians, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Don't be partial to some people and not to others. And then he gives this example. For if there should come into your assembly, one guy, a man with gold rings, fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. So the same day, same service, same gathering, rich guy, gold rings, he's dressed up, and then a poor man in filthy clothes. Filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, oh, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, will you stand there or sit here at my footstool? Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does this reveal? It's like going back to the lady that owned the shop. It didn't reveal anything about the lady that owned the shop. It revealed something about the doctor that came in and made a fool of himself. Because if you know who you are, you love yourself because God loves you. You got circulation. Now you can love your neighbor as yourself. And it doesn't matter whether they're dressed nice or filthy clothes. You treat people like you treat yourself because you love yourself. So you don't have to go around. If you say, oh, you're judging someone the way they, it's not judging. It's just observation. I watch how people treat children or people that aren't like them. You give yourself away every day, all day. And you're not even aware of it sometimes, maybe. Be kind to people. People say, well, what would Jesus do? I don't know. Why don't you let him do what he would do? Well, then I'm going to have to go over there and talk to that lady. And she's not like me. And she smells bad. And whatever else you're coming up with. Or then you're judging somebody the opposite. Well, they're rich. And I bet they stole it all. They don't deserve it. Now you got all this other stuff you've made up. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbors yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. You know, if you follow me around, I'm sure I have my moments. But as much, you know, I get sideways with certain people. But for the most part, I have kind of decided that people are people. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you got or what you don't got. And there are people, you know, say, well, you know, I've made a decision from the very beginning not to know who in the church gives how much and what. I don't want to be sucking up to a bunch of rich people that I think are rich and maybe they're not giving anything. And maybe we got poor people here who percentage-wise outgive any rich person. They sacrificially give. So then what kind of game would that be? I'm just a fan of, just love people. Let God grow them up. And whatever their issues are, that same lady that came to see me that owned the shop told me that story. She made two appointments and canceled them both and finally was going to cancel the third one because she was afraid to come see me. I don't think I'm scary. My girls don't think I'm scary. But she's Hispanic. I'm white. What's he going to say? What's going to happen? So what happened? I loved on her. Told her I'd help her any way I could. Right? Try it. I've thrown some people out, but that's because they, you know, they caused it. Um, Man, if we could just get out of the way and let Jesus live. It'll mess your life up. You might end up talking to some woman at a well that nobody wants to talk to. But she might get well. He'd take you some crazy places, some places you're maybe not altogether comfortable with, but maybe he is. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. 
And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. In the last verse, Revelation 7, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All I'm saying is, why don't we have a little choir rehearsal before that day and practice this here and say to a world, this is our God. This is what he can do. Everybody else tries to force people together. We're not forced together. We choose. He has chosen us. We have chosen him. And because of that, he brings people together. He doesn't separate them out. And then the world walks in, not believing it's possible. And they say, the only thing they can say, you have to be followers of Jesus because apparently you truly love each other. You must be his disciples. And then don't be surprised if they want to join the family. Sometimes it's not that they don't believe that God loves them. They just can't figure out why his people don't. And where's the disconnect? His way is hetero, very genius not homo, not so genius, and it works. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.